Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Yes, welcome back everybody to part two of this episode of Keeping Carlson Mega Show where Brian and I are looking at scoreboards and discussing the fantasy impacts. Brian, I had a blast talking to you in part one. We talked Columbus, Dallas, Boston, Islanders, Toronto, St. Louis, and we, and we just you know, scratch the surface of all of the interesting fantasy news and notes from this past week. So I'm ready to jump into part two if you are. How are you feeling after that jam-packed part one? I'm feeling great. I'm glad you had a blast. I had a blast too. I hope our listeners had a blast. So how about we blast off into part two? <laughs> Did you just make this up right now or is it something you've had in your I've pocket? I've been workshopping that for like two months. That Worth it. That's amazing. Thanks. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about this game that happened yesterday between the New Jersey Devils and the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Devils, I feel like every game actually on Saturday was like a blowout. It wasn't actually a fun ga- day of hockey, but there was a lot of like interesting fantasy nuggets. So it was fun for me. But I guess actually now that I'm looking at these scores, like all these games sucked. Uh, we're going to talk about New Jersey 5-2 over Pittsburgh, Nashville 7-3 over Florida, Vancouver 6-2 over Philly. Oh, there was an overtime game, Calgary versus the Rangers. I guess that was probably the game of the night. But first, we're going to talk about the Devils and the Penguins, talking about the Devils. Of course, the big news. Jack Hughes is back. Welcome back, Jack Hughes. He's awesome. He had two assists. Also, Sharon Govich had two assists. Uh, the line was Hughes, Brat, Sharon Govich. Brat had a goal. Uh, so that's really great news for Sharon Govich. He's like always on and off of the Jack Hughes line. When he's on, he's very interesting to me. I think like you stream him in if you can fit him when he's playing with Hughes and Brat. That's a really good spot. And then Heeshear was playing with Tatar and Dawson Mercer, which... Uh, was great for Heesher, first of all. He had a huge game, two goals, two assists. Tatar and Mercer both pointed. Actually, Mercer had a multi-point game. So just like that, Andre Palat left out in the cold here. The guy that we talked about last week, I was saying, oh, he's in a really good spot. He's playing in the top six. He's on the top power play. He's still on the top power play, but now he's in the bottom six. Uh, His hot streak is over. He didn't get a point, even though New Jersey scored five times. So now are we just like, okay, (laughs) you know, we had fun, but now Palat is droppable again until Tatar or Mercer or Sharon Govich, you know, swap with him and he gets back in the top six. I feel like I'm pretty, regardless of power play, I'm pretty much only interested in Palat when he's in the top six. But when he's there, I like him. Yeah, same. But he's not there now. And even when he is there, he's like, he is not always so likable. So yeah, Palat, even though still on the top power play, I'm kind of over him if he's out of the top six. Uh, He did have two power play points in six games, or he has picked up two power play points in six games of time on the top unit. Both those power play points came in the same game. And one power play point for every three games, like you split that, that's great production from the top power play. But it's almost like uh, Adam Boakvist. Elon, I was saying this is like the forward version of him when nothing else is added to it at five on five. And I don't even know that we can trust what is coming on the power play. Not a great situation for Andre Palat. Uh, so I will, uh, he's not someone I'm really, and he, I was high on him to start the year. I gave him a lot of rope on my roster and he was on my watch. He spent a lot of time on my watch list, even when he was doing nothing and off my roster. I, it's going to take a lot to get me interested in Palat again. And this, this isn't it. 
Okay, yeah. And by the way, uh, do you want to like, I know for uh, when we were talking about Colorado, you just uh, wanted to give some love to Nathan McKinnon. How much love do we need to give to Nico Heeshear, who is just having this like amazing breakout season and that uh, well, uh, breakout season maybe is a weird thing to say, but uh, you know, he's pacing for 78 points. He's never paced for over 70. He was actually, you know, you know that four point game actually though, now that I'm looking at it made a big difference because he was actually on a cold streak. I didn't even notice that. What I, well, you hopefully did, we said on the we, podcast, we did. Oh, we talked we, about it. We talked about it last week, and you were like, oh, "Is this something we should worry about? Like, what are other teams keying in more on him?" Because he's said, "Well, it doesn't matter, right? He did well after that. Hughes is back. He's still doing well. Everything's good with Nico Hishier, which is uh, basically what we said." Elon, actually, the guy I was gonna single out for attention in New Jersey is uh, was Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, he's very good. Whose mm-hmm. praises we've we've sung a ton this year. Let's do it some more. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm good. Actually, let me even ask you a question to go into it. You talked okay. about Kale McCarr and how you're like worried about him and his injury. Uh, let's say like you don't get to like you know say uh, a fun answer of like, well, I'd rather get Hamilton. I'll take Hamilton. A better draft value. Yeah, Hamilton over Hamilton. Yeah, just straight like, up. Well, like okay, if I'm if I know I have to draft one of them in a spot, like I know mm. Kale McCarr is going to cost more. Like, no, let's say it was equal. Let's say it was equal for next okay. year. But there's the injury. I'm getting both. I'm getting both of them at like the 11th overall pick. Yeah. Um, I, I, I need to, I think, I feel like I need to do a little more homework, but I would lean towards Hamilton. I would. What's, what's Makar is, they're basically, they're producing virtually the same, uh, in our cupful scoring, Makar and Hamilton. And I, like, I've made a case for why Makar should be doing a little better, but I've also just made the case that Makar seems to be kind of injury prone. So yeah, Elon, that's a really, who would you take? I think I'd. You know what? I would probably take the swing with Makar. Like, I'd just go for it and hope that the rest of my drafting is good enough to make up for any games he misses with injury. Uh, it's just like that upside is just too exciting. But it would be uh, it would be a, a, like a choice that I'd have to make. How about you? Yeah. I'll go Roman Yosi. No, I'm just kidding. Like, I think that uh, <laughs> so Makar, I would, I would probably go Makar. But yeah, it definitely is. Like, I was just being annoying and, yeah. and difficult with you. Like, yeah. really, it's Classic. like the answer is don't take Makar uh, because just wait and then get like a Hamilton right. with, with your Which was my pick. initial answer that you then yeah. locked me out of. But McDavid, uh, sorry, not McDavid, Hamilton is, uh, I mean, basically I can say his name in the same breath as McDavid. Over the last 30 days in good couple scoring, Hamilton is behind only Connor McDavid and Jack Hughes. And, like, to find the next defenseman, you go down a little further, you find Roman Yosey. To find the next defenseman, you have to go a lot further down the list. Uh, so Dougie Hamilton, just out of this world uh, lately and for the whole season. Incredible. Yeah. Okay, let's look at the Pittsburgh side of this game, even though Norm is asking us in the chat not to. Uh, we'll do it quickly, okay? Um, Malkin scored both of the goals for the Penguins in the 5-2 loss. Uh, Ricard Raquel had an assist and five shots. Brian, Ricard Raquel is having himself a season, right? Like, he now has six points in his last three games. He's had quite the week. Uh, I still am going to lose my matchup, even though I have him. It's a little bit frustrating. What are you going to do? Remember at the start of the year, there was, like, talk about Raquel and Rust and, like, who's going to get this line and whatever. And I feel like most people were saying, yeah, Raquel's interesting and maybe he's, like, better value in the draft. But, like, you'd still probably prefer Rust. At this point, it's like Raquel is a sure hold in all leagues. And Rust is cold once again. He's pointless in four games. I think we're. I think it's about time, right? If we haven't already, like drop Ryan Russ. Can we just say it? He's not on the top power play. Yeah, he's playing with Malkin. You know who else is playing with Malkin? Jason Zucker, and he has only one goal in his last five games. And so I feel like at this point, if Zucker's cold and you're dropping him, like just drop Rust along with him. Who has time to wait anymore? Exactly. Who has time to wait anymore? You've waited all season on Brian Rust, and maybe 
maybe something happens and he gets back to what you hoped he would do. But listen, you've waited this out as long as you could. And if even if you're, you know, my advice in the past was like, if you're doing all right and you can afford to be patient, just keep holding. And at this point in the season, and of course, this is when rest is going to turn because I've said this, but at this point in the season, if you're doing well without rest, good for you. Move on. Um, because whoever you get, maybe if he, if rest does well and like you add Raquel and he does rest like things, you'll still be fine. Um, so like, that's, that's my way of rationalizing giving up on Brian rest. Um, which by the way, Elon, like has been a reminder to me that I should really avoid trading. Like I tried to buy low on Brian rest this year. I tried to buy low on Huberto at one point. I, I think I've, like I've and I tried to sell high on or sorry sell ish like high ish on Clayton Keller earlier in the year too and he's basically saved me the last few weeks. I think I need to give up on these like <laughs> buy low sell high deals that that are like this level of risk. Like maybe I can do it at like a smaller risk level. But man, am I glad that my approaches for Rust and Huberto were rebuffed because didn't work out for them. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be a guy who doesn't take these big buy low swings. Like I'm someone who has like endless faith and patience for guys who have proven they've done something in the past or in a situation that hasn't changed substantially, or I don't think will stay changed substantially, but yeah, I was wrong on waiting out rest. So uh, there you go. Ricard Raquel streaky guy, like about five points, 14 shots in his last three games, a power play point. I will take streaky over never does anything, which is Brian Russ status this year. Yeah, uh, Andy's saying maybe try trading for a positional need next year. Next year, yeah, like I think that if you're in a league with smart players, yeah, trying to just really like nail that, like, it, like, uh, you know, oh, I'm gonna get such good value because I have this player who's like overperforming, and I'm trading for someone who's like really underperforming. Maybe sometimes for those tra- trades, the best case might end up being that they just end up the same. You know, the one like kind of slows down, the other one heats up a bit, and then you haven't actually gained much, but you took like on more risk. So it it is an interesting thing, though. I guess another thing is like it sounds like you weren't that successful with making these trades, so maybe you don't. Have to worry about it like uh but maybe it's just the time saved also of not trying to make these trades if you you tried to make all three of these deals and they didn't work out uh but yeah it so- sounds like it worked out well for you uh let's go to the next game here okay i'm um, nashville versus florida i guess i should mention okay fine with pittsburgh tokarski had a decent enough game led in four goals but on 42 shots um obviously pittsburgh will be very happy to get tristan jari back and apparently that could be pretty soon okay nashville versus florida another blowout nashville won seven to three bobrovsky was pulled Spencer Knight didn't do much better. So yeah, it wasn't a good day to be rostering a Florida goalie uh, on Florida. Uh, the one good note, I guess, was Brandon Montour. Two assists, two assists, four shots. Uh, in the couple tier one, there was a trade involving Montour just recently. Lewis traded Jesper Bratt for Montour to uh, Matt. Again, this is in tier one couple. I think it's a pretty even trade. Curious, and I guess it's the kind of thing where like I'm going to ask you who wins the trade, but I guess maybe if someone needs D, if someone needs a forward, but is there anyone like jumps out to you is like, oh, wow, I can't believe you traded Montour for Brad, or do you think they're pretty much on the same level at this point? I think, no, I think it's a good, fair, even deal. I assume they both had positional needs that they took care of. Like maybe I would have a, a slight leaning towards Brad, but I don't even know that if I really tried, I could justify it. Our other cupful managers, like we have little polls that happen with each trade. They uh, they have leaned Brad, but several have said it's even, and enough have also said that it's Montour to say, yeah, this is a, I think it's a good, solid, and like you don't really see tilted deals in tier one either. Like it is people, like you've got to find a way to make a win-win deal uh, if you if you are trading in tier one, it's pretty rare to win one uh, without any kind of like undisputedly. 
Yeah, you know me. I like I love shots, and a defenseman who takes a lot of shots is hard to find. And Brandon Montour is fourth in the league among defensemen in shots. Only wow. Yosie Hamilton and Burns are ahead of Brandon Montour. So this isn't like some unsustainable hot streak, right? Like he's doing the work. Uh, he's getting a lot of ice time. He gets the power play. So yeah, if you need D, maybe you do. It is worth trading a brat for a Montour. So I think yeah, I think everyone wins that deal, assuming Matt could afford to lose that D, of course, because we, we do like guess for brat quite a bit. Okay, but anyways, now. Nashville beat Florida 7-3. Kevin Lankinen was a net for Nashville and he was decent, like stopped 30 of 33. He's another goalie that I'll be curious to see what happens in the offseason. Like Corpusalo, probably Corpusalo is going to get more money than Lankinen, but it'll be interesting to see where, you know, there's always in the summer, it's fun to see where all the goalies wind up. Uh, I guess the big note here is that in these seven goals for Nashville, they scored all seven without Philip Forsberg, who's still out of the lineup. Uh, Someone named Tommy Novak scored two goals. And I should point out that Nashville played again today against Minnesota and Tommy Novak once again had a great game. He had one goal and two assists. Unfortunately, Nashville lost four to three, but Tommy Novak did his best to try to get a different result. I said like someone, that's not even nice. We have mentioned him on the show before. He's someone who was having a good season in the minors. I don't know. He's still like not getting the most amazing deployment, but I wonder if that's going to change soon. Like, uh, unfortunately, Cody Glass, who was like the latest Nashville young player to be getting good deployment on a top line, he's kind of slowed down. Now, he actually had, uh, this is the worst, right? Where you stream someone because he's in a good spot. Nashville scored seven goals and then Cody Glass, no points, no shots. How does that happen? Unfortunately, he should have added uh, Tommy Novak. Yeah. Also, by the way, speaking of young players, Phil Tomasino is back up with the team. He was there last year. He's a highly touted prospect. He had an assist. It was his first point of the season. I mean, I'm saying these names of all these like young players you might be able to add because they might be available. Obviously, the real star here is Roman Yosi, who's having an incredible season. And yeah, he had one goal and two assists versus Florida, then another one goal and one assist today versus Minnesota. Five shots in both of these games. So yeah, Yosi's definitely in the same conversation with Hamilton and Makar. We don't need to bring that back up again. But yeah, as far as these young players go... I don't, I don't know. What, what would I really ask you, right? Just like keep these guys on your radar, right? See who gets yeah. the good deployment. But right now, Novak is definitely scorching. Yeah, he is. And he's doing it from the third line, right? Uh, tonight, Novak had three points from the third line in the second power play. One goal, two assists for three points, three shots, playing 13 minutes a night. And uh, like I'd expect Novak, like we've talked about these Nashville streamers all season long. I keep going back to like Yuso Parsonen as like the one of the originals. Um, and I feel like it's the same thing, like with Tomasino and Glass. Like it's really interesting to see new names pop up, especially like Glass and Tomasino, who have some upside attached to them. But they're all seeing low time on ice. Like they're all seeing like 10 to 13 minutes a night. Uh, the only significant ice time getters outside of the top line in Nashville, like Johansson, Granlund, and Duchesne, was Trennan, Jakob Trennan, Nino Niederreiter, and Colton Sissons. Maybe Tanner Janot, if you want to stretch the parameters a bit. Um, anyway, yeah, it's just like, that's just a weird place to expect offense from, which I'm not. I'm not expecting outbursts to come often from the Predators, especially without Forsberg. Keep in mind, against Florida, they scored seven goals, but you said how bad it was for Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, and it was because the Predators scored seven times on just 26 shots, and then they followed up that game with 26 more shots against Minnesota. They've since, uh, I think today they took like something like 37 against, uh, who are they playing? Minnesota. So that's promising. But like, yeah, I just, I just don't see a whole lot of like sneaky value here in Nashville. Like it's like a rule. You spin the wheel, hope you land on the right guy. There's no rhyme or reason why one guy produces over others on any given night. 
Yeah, I will say that in my Dynasty League, I'm one who likes to trade away my draft picks for players who will help me now because I'm impatient and I like to try to win. Uh, but then sometimes you get lucky. And I grabbed Tommy Novak when he got called up by Nashville because he was having a great season in the AHL, 26 points in 25 games. Why do I need draft picks if I can get these uh, players for free that are uh, producing even better than whoever I would have taken like 20th overall a couple years ago? I don't know. Maybe not. I'm going, happy with him. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, go backwards for a sec, Elon, if you don't mind, because Norm in the chat, he was talking about like when we were talking about Zucker and Rust and how they're struggling and Malkin's having such a great season. Norm was like, that's a shame because Malkin has been good this year. Uh, he's coming in like so- is someone like ready to play every night, which hasn't been the case for, well, Rust and Zucker and several others in the Penguins lineup. And then Norm just uh, went and did some 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 research while we were chatting. And he saw that almost half of Malkin's points this year are on the power play, 25 of 56. And uh, that explains why Zucker and Rust aren't doing much. And like it makes me wonder if Malkin could be doing even better if everybody was on the same page on that line. It's so strange. They've, they've produced together before. Um, I wonder... You know, I can't look this up quite on the fly, but I wonder what Malkin's usual percentage of total points comes on the power play. Like, I wouldn't say it's, it's pretty, like, I could see it being in, like, the 30, maybe 40% range, but higher this year, and he's still on an 83-point pace this year. It's been a great, quietly great season for Malkin. 25 power play points in 55 games so far. Pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty wild, but it looked like he might even go to another team this summer, which would have been, like, so weird to see Malkin in oh, another yeah. jersey. Uh, but yeah, now he just wants to be on another line. He gets all his points playing with Gensel and, and Raquel and Crosby on the power play. I'm sure he'd love to just get one of those guys to also play with him at even strength. Okay, let's go now to this game. Another blowout. Vancouver beat Philly 6-2 to two on Saturday. The goalie for Vancouver was someone named Archer Silvovs. I was about to say Silvos. I feel like you want to say Silvos when you read this, but no, Ar- Archer Silovs. Uh, so this is like Vancouver had sent down Spencer Martin, Connor Delia, has been doing pretty badly. So now Silov's got a shot with Demko still on the shelf, but I believe Demko's going to be back next week. So then we'll see. I don't know who the backup is. I think the news was that they're going to be riding three goalies for a little bit, maybe just to make sure that Demko is 100%. Not that it matters too much. Like Vancouver's obviously out of the playoffs at this point, but man, some players are doing really well. <laughs> Elias Pettersson, holy cow, two goals and three assists in that game for the you know the big win over Philly. And that's now 15 points in eight games for Pettersson. So he is just carrying carrying this team though no disrespect to anthony beauvillier who's been really good since joining he's been with patterson the whole time even strength and on the power play beauvillier had two goals in this game and four shots and hey andre kuzmenko we talked about him last week he was getting really bad deployment with rick tockett and we said maybe he's a snoozer right now so hopefully you didn't listen or you know or if someone else listened hopefully you grabbed him because he was back on the Pedersen line and he scored a goal so things have changed quickly I don't think like you totally blew it if you dropped Kuzmenko but I think if he's out there probably you want to grab him back you probably want anyone playing with Pedersen right now right yeah like we were talking about McKinnon and Hamilton Leas Pedersen is just as hot and I can stand by uh my my inclination to draft him on our episode a couple weeks back i feel good about that going back to Silos, uh, Wait, you feel good about what exactly because if i recall you were about to draft him and then and, i didn't I, well, I said my inclination i was very <laughs> <laughs> wow you get you take the w no matter what <laughs> yeah uh my yeah my intuition was right i should have followed it uh okay what was i going to say oh yeah Silovs. um my, you know, my guess is that the Canucks are happy to see where he's at 
well, there's an excuse to have him out of the AHL. Like, might as well. Let's play. We'd already waived Spencer Martin. We're not going to go through that again. Um, so, but I imagine that Salavs is better off playing in the AHL once Demko is healthy, which apparently is on its way. Although the Canucks have said, uh, I can't remember if you mentioned this, Elon, sorry, but like that they're going to carry three goalies, at least for the time being. But I imagine that they would they would rather have Solovs playing. Solovs, by the way, if anyone doesn't know, uh, out of Riga, Latvia, he was drafted in the sixth round, 156 overall back in 2019. He's 21 years old and having a, a successful season with Abbotsford in the AHL. 21-9-4 is his record with a 906 save percentage. Uh, so yeah, nice uh, nice taste of the bigs for Solovs. And of course, Vancouver gets to see what they've got in him, or at least gets a, a, a sneak peek. Anyway, uh, you asked about Kuzmenko. Yeah, top line, top power play. Uh, we were so concerned about his ice time. He was seeing like 10 to 12 minutes. Now his last three games, he saw 16, then 18, then 19 minutes of ice. So I would be interested in going after Kuzmenko if he's been dropped. I dropped him in a limited moves league where I'm basically like, I don't want to use up any more moves unless I'm replacing guys who are going to be out for any length of time. Uh, I also don't like my roster is pretty good. So I don't know I need to go and make a move for Kuzmenko, but in a regular scenario. Yeah. I would be like, if he was, if he was dropped by his manager, I would hopefully be the one to scoop him up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a great spot to be, like I said. Uh, also, by the way, the other line with Miller and Besser, uh, and I guess did you, Seppi was there? I don't, th- I, th- I don't think he'll last. But yeah, Miller had a good game, two assists. Besser had an assist, which broke a three-game pointless streak. But I mean, it is, you said that Kuzmenko on the top power play, so Besser not on the top power play. So he's becoming someone that maybe, especially in shallower leagues, if you have him, maybe you start to think of letting go, which is too bad. Like Brock Besser seemed like such like a high upside guy just like a couple seasons ago. He and Pedersen seemed to have like like such great chemistry together. It seemed like they'd be like on a line in power play together for years to come. But yeah, it hasn't been going that great for Besser. He's like having an okay season, but I wonder now as we get into it, like going into our fantasy playoffs, if he, like I have him on one of my teams and Brian in our keeper league, that we're in together and i don't know i feel like besser is becoming kind of a bubble guy for me i'm not sure if i'm gonna be holding him or not once the games really matter i think that's totally fair i like the thing is that besser's like snoozes on like a semi regular he naps besser doesn't snooze he naps and then when he's good he's pretty good like besser with his ups and downs this season is up to a 62 point pace even with adversity but course the disappointing thing is that he's barely above two shots per game so like brian rust like jonathan huberdo like taylor hall like brock bessers in this category of guys who just haven't been that impressive and haven't been able to reclaim uh, past glory and they're all hard to hold but even possibly like harder to drop i don't know if they're harder to hold or drop but i, I i'm with you elon that he is he's fallen in in terms of like fantasy value and esteem and if i had him on my roster i think i'd keep riding it out uh, as opposed to russ who i'd be happy to drop but i would always be ready like i i would be checking regularly to make sure that besser is still actually worth the roster spot yeah definitely okay brian i still want to talk about the philly side of this game and then a bunch more so we'll be back in just a sec you're listening to keeping carlson hello brian hello everybody we are back for part two of part two of this mega episode of Keeping Carlson. Brian, like I said, Vancouver beat Philly 6-2. to two. On the Philly side, 
Unfortunately, Anthony D'Angelo, I don't want to say for unfortunately because I have my one of my teams. Uh, like pointless in five games now. No points for D'Angelo. I'm starting to wonder if maybe even though D'Angelo is getting a lot of power play time, if, if he's someone people need to consider dropping, or do you just have to keep him because of his good deployment and his like good success he had earlier in the year? Like uh, on the flip side, Rasmus Ristolainen had another assist in this game to go with his nice big hit numbers. Ristolainen's been pretty good lately. I wonder if he's starting to overtake D'Angelo in terms of like which Philly D you want the most if you wanted to have one like in the couple or in a league that really uh you know values peripherals highly uh i still want d'angelo elon like like rasmus versalainen he hits doesn't do anything else gets an occasional assist i have tony d'angelo and uh, in the cupful, and I'm not even starting to consider swapping him out for Ristolainen. Uh, like, for D'Angelo, it has definitely been disappointing. But I, again, I don't think this is a player problem. I think it's a team problem. And if it's a team problem, I definitely don't think Ristolainen is going to be in any better shape when the team no longer has a problem than D'Angelo. The Flyers have scored just 11 goals in their last six games. The offense has dried up, and they're now looking like closer to the way we'd have expected them to going into the season. But similar to Dallas, Elon, they're also not getting a whole lot of power play chances either. Ten power play opportunities for the Flyers in their last six games, and that especially hurts Tony D'Angelo. We were talking about Malkin's power play production. Well, D'Angelo has scored half his points 15 of 31 with the main advantage that really hurts when d'angelo has only seen 10 power play opportunities over basically two weeks six games but the good news is d'angelo is still shooting even in games where philadelphia is barely getting pucks on net as a team i don't know if you caught it elon but in the back-to-back against seattle philly had 19 shots in one game and 18 shots in the other so they combined for 37 shots tony d'angelo had almost 20% of those. He had seven of the Flyers' 37 shots on goal in the Seattle back-to-back game. So I'm still expecting him to be, when the offense is there, to be a part of it. And uh, I don't know. I like your, I guess, I don't know what to say about your line intake. I'm nowhere near you on that, unfortunately. No, I, that's not my take. I'm just trying to come up with questions to make the show interesting. I'm with you. I definitely oh, okay. take D'Angelo over Ristolainen, but lately Ristolainen has been better, so I thought it would be fun to compare the two. Uh, but yeah, probably long-term D'Angelo is the one who's getting the better deployment. Has the you know uh, There was a time when Ristolainen had a big offensive pedigree and was looking really good, uh, but that time has long passed. Brian, we've got some breaking news here in the chat. Uh, apparently, Nikolai Ehlers is hurt. I'm just searching on Twitter now. Yeah, Amanda Stein is tweeting that he's down on the ice. Traders are coming out. Um, this is... Obviously not great. Ehlers had actually been cold. We actually had a question from Andrea that she wanted us to talk about Nikolai Ehlers, and I was planning on getting to it in today's show, uh, but now I guess we have maybe more urgent matters. But yeah, let's take a quick look here. Ehlers uh, playing on a line with Lowry and Blake Wheeler today. Um, he's been, once again, like not always getting top power play. This is just a thing for him. And yeah, pointless in his last two. He had assists in three straight games before that, but yeah, he hadn't scored a goal since back on January 21st. Uh, and now he yeah. might be out for, with a serious injury. So that stinks. So maybe just quickly, I'd still be curious to know like what's going on with Ehlers. We were like, when he came back, it was like, oh my God, this guy's like a huge star. Now he's on the top power play. Like the breakout is coming. And now uh, it's slowly dissipated. And hopefully this isn't the end of the season. But yeah, if it is, then he kind of went out with a whimper a little bit. Well, okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, like going to go all the way there yet. Uh, I have so little information about what's happened. And sometimes injuries happen mid-show. And I want to react. And anyway, I'm not I'm not going to go further than what we've seen from Ehlers recently, which, like you said, Elon, 
not a whole lot. It's been really disappointing. Uh, low ice time too, like 13 to 15 minutes for the few games leading up to tonight against New Jersey. And he was still making the most of those with, you know, like 10 shots in his last two games with power play two deployment, which is back, which is so strange. And the Jets lines, I don't know what's stranger. Either he's on the second unit or the Jets line so far tonight. You mentioned he was playing with Lowry and Wheeler. Um, which means, yeah, like there's Winnipeg is experimenting with the top nine. I guess you've got Mason Appleton and Cole Perfetti playing with Shifley, and you've got Saku Mainalainen playing with Dubois and Kyle Connor, which is uh, just weird all around. You know, like I'm trying to think, okay, am I interested in either of those guys? And I'm not really. Like Winnipeg has a really good schedule next week. I think they might go, is it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday? Like they, yeah, they four yeah. off days. Yeah. And if any, like if Appleton or Menelainen are out there or Lowry, I don't like assuming healthy Ehlers, I don't know. I'm interested in any of them because of like newfound exposure. Um, So this is all to say it's been really disappointing that Nick Ehlers hasn't been able to score. Uh, He has been shooting up a storm and I expect him to be doing better. Like, he's shooting 6% right now. He usually shoots around 12%. So I, I could easily spot him another four goals, which would put him over the point-per-game pace he's at anyway, despite this real cold spell that, I guess, is offset, that crazy hot spell that he had when he returned from injury. Yeah, I I didn't mean to, like, alarm people. Yeah, this is news on the fly here. Uh Hopefully he's fine. Uh, obviously there'll be updates by the time uh, you know you've listened to this. Hopefully and then and hopefully he's fine. And then you know on short shifts on Tuesday, Shams and, and Lewis will get into it. But okay, uh, next up, Brian, let's go to this game. Finally, a good game that happened on Saturday: Calgary versus the Rangers. The Flames won three two in overtime. I was prepping this show last night, very late last night, embarrassingly late last night. Uh, and then I was noticing how Mikael Backlund had yet another good game. He had a goal and an assist. Five shots, which brought him to nine points in his last seven games for Mikhail Backlund. And like with so many shots, like everything I like, like points, like shots out the wazoo. And he's still available, Brian, in our keeper league. I, I don't know. And, and, but, and also, because another thing I was doing when I was doing this prep last night is recording the matchup maximizer. And I noticed how Calgary plays Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. So a great schedule also. I jumped on him so fast. I dropped Andre Palat. I'm very excited. Uh, Backland, 21% rostered in Yahoo right now. Like I said, good schedule next week. Are we, is this pause the pod, right? Especially if you just need to win next week. Who else are you going to stream in that plays like three games between Monday and Thursday who's as hot as Mikhail Backland? Nobody. Like they're, they're actually, I don't know. I was looking at the schedule and I haven't, I'm sorry, Elon, I haven't listened to Matchup Maximizer yet. So I'm not sure How who, dare you. who you put out there, but I was looking at the options and I was not feeling like I was going to do a whole lot of streaming this week, just based on the, the best. Like, I think you're right. Like, I don't know. I could look at Frank Vitrano in Anaheim who had like six shots from the third line. He plays Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. But aside from that, I think, uh, I think Mikhail Backlund is a real good get for you so congrats for grabbing the one hot player who has a chance of keeping it up um i think that's a i think that's a good get and if you're if you're looking to stream like it's not like a serious pause the pod moment but it is it's a it's like a let the pod play but open your app while it's playing to go and stream in mikhail backland if you could use a streamer for next week he's probably your best choice 
But like you, so you're not willing to go beyond that though. Like we're up to, uh, like I said, nine points in his last seven. Like, do you think that eventually he's going back in free agency? Because like this hot streak has gotten like longer than nine games, right? He's just been like, look at those shots. Like, just look at his game log and look at the shots column. To me, that looks like a hold potentially for the season, personally. But obviously, yeah. you're thinking that it might fall apart. I'll be open to it. Um, like even with this, he's just up to a 53 point pace, which is basically the peak of what Mikhail Backlund's accomplished in his entire career. So, like, could he keep this up? Yeah, hypothetically. And the shots are great, and a lot of assists are coming, but um, I think I remember from checking last time that, like, teammates are scoring on a high percentage of the shots they're taking. Like, this is not all terribly sustainable, even though it's been going on for a month now. So it's a, it's a great run that Backlund's on, but I'm not, no, Elon, I'm not bought in that he's just going to take this to the end of the year. All right, so yeah, we'll see. Let's put it this way. Don't like, uh, you know, pay a lot for him in a trade. Grab him for free if you can. And then if, even if it turns out Brian's right, you wouldn't have paid anything. And there is a chance that maybe he is actually just going to keep this up a little bit. Okay, by the way, but Brian, if you couldn't get Backlund, you're looking at, was there any Calgary guys available to you? Because there's a lot of uh, good, like Dubé is hot yeah, right now. Not available to me. Like, it, that's that's it. Like, there's just, uh, they're all, they're already snapped up. So not to say there aren't any others, but like Dubé and Manjapani uh, could both be worthwhile. And I know I'll let you get to him, but you're going to mention Jacob Pelche. Yeah, which apparently is pronounced Pelchier. Oh, I guess that's what you said. Okay, so I said it wrong on Matchup Maximizer yesterday. I apologize. But yeah, Brian Pelchier, is he available to you or is he even snapped up also? No, he's out there. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious for sure. I mean, like the production is not there yet. He has a, a goal and an assist in 10 games this year. And aside from that, he doesn't do a whole lot. He has just a single shot in each of his last three games. But there is some reason to maybe think that Peltier can do some stuff for you early next week. Uh, he's on a good line. He's been playing with Huberto and Kadri. And coming into the NHL, this guy's got 98 points in 99 AHL games since he made his pro debut last season. Peltier was, of course, before that, a big producer in the QMJHL for Valdor and Moncton. But who isn't a big producer in the QMJHL? MJHL. So we'll see what Pelche can do at the NHL level. So far, not a whole lot. Um, if you're wondering, like he he's a smaller guy, 21 years old, five foot nine. Uh, he was drafted late first round by the Flames in 2019. And the one reason to think that maybe this is going somewhere, well, first it's that AHL production, second it's that line, and third, his time on ice has been rising steadily since he made his NHL debut uh, 10 games ago, uh, a month ago, where Daryl Sutter was famously asked, uh, "Do you remember that press conference?" Like so a reporter was like, "Tell us what you thought of uh, Jacob Pelche's game." And Sutter was like, who? And it's like, Jacob <laughs> Pelche. And he, and he just, he, re, he holds up the score sheet, like puts, hold, like holds his glasses to make it look like he's reading the score sheet. And he just reads all this, Jacob Pelche, seven minutes, one shot, one hit. And then he just looks back at the reporter <laughs> and like, that's it. So uh, it wasn't like, it was a very weird. It's rude. Like, yeah, it was rude. Like, this is, this is, anyway, whatever. So, but clearly he's liked what he's seen. He keeps getting more opportunities. So um, maybe a, as a deep stream, Pelche could be a fun one. Yeah, and he's playing with Huberdo and Kadri. It's a good line. I guess like the lines were a little off because Lindholm was out, but I think Lindholm is generally playing with uh, Toffoli and Dubé. So I don't think that like Pelche should probably stick with Huberdo and Kadri for a bit. Kadri, by the way, has been great lately. And by the way, we should mention Huberdo. We've given him a lot of guff. 
but uh, he had two assists in this game versus the Rangers. Five points in his last four games, all assists. Uh, so I don't know. Let's not dive too much into Huberdo some more, but nice to see him starting to produce like a little bit like people were hoping for against me in the couple this week, of course, after he was super cold all season. Uh, let's look at the Rangers side of this game. Yeah, a lot of line blending still happening on the Rangers. Like Tarasenko did score a goal, but I don't know who his line mates are going to be this year. Maybe the plan is just for not him not to have like consistent line mates. Like he played some time with Kreider and Zibanejad and he played some time with Trocek and Panarin. So I'm not sure what's happening. I guess either is a fine enough line for Tarasenko still like not amazing that like since he's been traded, like now three points in five games. Uh, but yeah, I'm not really sure. I guess like the only uh, constant is Hedl, Kako, Lafreniere. Those three stay together. And then aside from that, it looks like a Jimmy VC or Tarasenko are going to like be swapping around and who knows who else. Who knows who else? Yeah, like the, and there's always a bit of a blender going on in, in New York. Jared Gallant is not afraid to, you know, flip a random guy off to another part of the depth chart and make a swap. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Tarasenko, who earlier in the show, by the way, I said that he wasn't on the top power play. And Sam in the chat corrected me at the moment, and I actually forgot to to bring it up. So, uh, like, Tarasenko was on the power play last game, but we'll see if he stays there. Of course, that means Hedl was off it. Um, but Tarasenko, I think, is going to need that. It's been a rough... He just went through a rough stretch, Tarasenko, where he had just a single shot over three games. Uh, like, we already talked about him last week, right? He's going to see a bit of a decreased role in New York, which is a bummer, and he might not have consistent power play one time, so... Uh, I don't think there's anything to really do about it. Just be mindful. Yeah, uh, I think, well, one thing you could just do about it is not be like overly excited, but maybe at some point you could maybe buy low. Uh, if he is getting back on the top power play, maybe you get him at a cheap price, but obviously him scoring a goal doesn't help you with that. So Brian, I still have some more players I wanted to talk about. I guess we could end the scoreboard uh, jumping around here and just talk about the final players in the last part of the show. And we'll get to them in just a second. We got, we got some fun ones. Uh, you're listening to Kevin Carlson. We are back, Brian, for the final part of this mega episode. I'm just going to jump around to a few players. First of all, we've got an injury that I haven't brought up yet. Uh, Evander Kane uh, didn't play today for the Oilers, and you kind of knew something was wrong. He hadn't thrown a hit in five straight games, which is definitely not normal for Evander Kane. One of his big values in fantasy is that he gives you the shots and the hits to go along with his points. Uh, So I don't know how serious this is, uh, but yeah, definitely wanted to bring it up that for anyone that was concerned about the hits, it probably was injury-related, and you're probably just hoping i don't know i get like on one hand you're hoping he comes back soon on the other hand you're hoping that he takes the time to get back to normal so we can do evander kane things for you yeah and maybe like we sort of have wondered if he's playing at 100 percent, and maybe he was playing at 80 percent, and maybe this is a good thing like maybe this took evander kane down to like 60 or 50 percent like okay all right let's put him on the shelf let's wait until he's better um, but yeah, not much to be seen from Evander Kane lately. Uh, like the points were still coming like a reasonable amount, but it is a red flag that he'd gone like five games without throwing a hit. One of those games he had taken just one shot on goal. Um, there's there's some little tells here that not all is right. I mean, he he was pointless only for two games, so it wasn't anything to really get too freaked out or worried about but we'll see if he's if some extended time i like i have no idea elon you don't know either how long kane is going to be out for do you no and i haven't heard uh, yeah so yeah we'll have to wait and see yeah uh by the way uh jesse pooley had a point today it's so rare to see that <laughs> so good for him but yeah i guess the main producers today were well dry had a goal mcdavid only had one assist 
Actually, pretty much everyone on the roster of the forwards got a point. Actually, I'm looking at the box score right now. Again, Edmonton scored five goals against the Avs. Only Derek Ryan and Kyler Yamamoto didn't get a point of all the forwards. Embarrassing. Losers. Like Yamamoto. Like he he's like he's he's a do not touch at this yeah, point. And he he had like good minutes. Like uh, Devin Shore yeah. played only seven minutes and thirty seconds. He got an assist. Okay. Brian, how about let's talk about a couple goalies? You brought up Philip Grubauer recently, and now he was on a hot run and worth grabbing. You were right. He's kept it up. And I think at this point, it's probably Philip Grubauer that is the starting goalie in Seattle until he blows it. But who knows? Maybe he won't blow it. He was like uh, considered a Vesna candidate a couple seasons ago. And now, yeah, he's won three of his last four games. Uh, he's putting up good numbers. Seattle's a decent team. I think you're probably messing up a little bit if Philip Grubauer is in your free agency right now and you need a goalie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I actually had too many goalies and Grubauer was the odd one out. And I figured like Seattle's defense is like pretty good. And so it's almost like a Carolina situation where you don't always get the volume to make up for the goals against when they happen. But Grubauer is absolutely worth looking at as a starting goalie right now. I think he's won the job. He's quietly having his, like we talked about him last week, he's having a really good season. He's just been really bad. Uh, while on the penalty kill and even on the power play too on occasion uh, so yeah if if you need volume philip gruber has not been someone you could rely on for volume or numbers but i think he might have both at the moment yeah i wanted to bring up philip gustafson as another goalie that's really doing well lately unfortunately he did have a little bit of a not amazing game today against nashville but he did still pull off the win and this was gustafson playing I mean, he's played a lot. He's played like four of Minnesota's last five games. Uh, looks like he's maybe taking over the net. And yeah, another win today, even if he didn't have the best save percentage. So I think, I don't know, Grubauer versus Gustafsson. I don't know if you want to compare them or not, but like, I feel like both of them might be worth, like Gustafsson, I still feel like there's a chance that Flurry just gets back and takes half the games or more than half the games. Uh, so probably I would take Grubauer here, but Gustafsson has been having a really great season. I saw you were writing about him in our Discord earlier, just singing his praises as a former Sens prospect that they maybe shouldn't have let go. I don't know. For Talbot? I don't know. Maybe yeah. that wasn't the right move. <laughs> former Pens prospect and then former Sens prospect and now current Minnesota starting goalie Philip Gustafson he's been doing uh, really well in Minnesota and what I was saying in our discord is like it's not terribly surprising like he was drafted with pedigree Gustafson and the Pens organization he didn't spend very long there and then from the moment he arrived in Ottawa it never seemed like they had the same belief in him that they did when they trade when the Sens traded for Gustafson, I think they traded Derek Brassard for him, and it was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a great get. It was a close to deadline deal, and uh, it, it was exciting to have a goalie of this pedigree, like fifty fifth overall second rounder back in twenty sixteen, and nothing happened from there. Like it just was not a fit. The organization, it was almost like the way they acquired Eric Brandstrom when they traded Mark Stone for him. Like, oh yes, we have Eric Brandstrom, and then he arrives is like, we don't like you anymore. Um, and so it doesn't surprise me at all that Philip Gustafson with a, a franchise that seems to appreciate him and giving him room to grow. Like he said in interviews, too, that he feels more comfortable. He wasn't happy before in Ottawa. Um, he sort of made some like sort of like side eye comments about the way he was treated in Ottawa versus the way he's being treated in Minnesota. 
So I'm not surprised to see him succeed here. Um, he is having a really good season, according to the numbers. Uh, he is outplaying his expected save percentage by about nine save points. And Marc-Andre Fleury is playing beneath his by about seven save points. So like by by the numbers so far, Philip Gustafson has earned the job. You look at these numbers and ignore the names. I know who I want starting the majority of my games, especially on Minnesota, who has not been such a great, well-rounded team this season. They've struggled on defense. They've definitely struggled on offense. And so Philip Gustafson will have his work cut out for him, which means that there might be some rough nights. And I agree with you, Elon Fleury could easily come in at any moment and turn back into star goalie Marc-Andre Fleury, but it's not a sure thing, especially as he gets older. Um, but I still would, if you're going back to your question, I'd prefer Grubauer to Gustafsson just because I think there is less of a challenge from the goaltending partner and Grubauer. I'll take Grubauer's Seattle to Gustafsson's Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a team that also has the goalie who went into the season as the starter, but the backup is playing a lot better. Uh, but at least for this team, they're aware of it is the LA Kings. And man, Jonathan Quick got like the two least deserved wins in a row. I think that I've seen in a long time on Friday, uh, Copley started the game versus Anaheim was doing great. Uh, stopped 16 to 17. Then he got ejected for like trying to fight John Gibson. I think it was. <laughs> anyway, uh, so and then Jonathan Quick came in, almost blew it, right? He led two goals on 10 shots, but did hold on. LA got the win because they scored six goals. They're a really good team, as we'll get to. Uh, so we got the win there. Then they decided to give... I was kind of hoping this would mean that Copley would just get the game on Saturday since he got to rest a little bit. But no, he was the backup. So Quick came in to get the start against uh, the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday. And LA gave a really nice bit of support, right? Like they scored the first five goals of the game where they were up 5-1 after the first period and then the Coyotes just chipped and chipped away at Jonathan Quick and the Kings until it was tied 5-5 and then the Kings ended up winning in the shootout. So Quick gets two wins, letting in many, many goals, but obviously moving forward, Copley is their starter. And man, LA, uh, the main thing is they scored now 10 goals in their past two games. Uh, Everyone's getting in on it. Brian, I want to ask you a a deep question, okay? Like, yeah, obviously we can talk about how like... um, Kevin Fiala has been amazing, like Kopitar, Kempe. Like, I think we've talked about these guys. Actually, that second line, well, Arvidsson actually had a good week. Uh, Trevor Moore somehow quiet, even though he's playing with Arvidsson. Uh, Let me ask you about Blake Lazat, if you don't mind. He is playing with Kevin Fiala and Alex Iafalo. And Fiala is just so, so hot. And Lazat is getting in on it, right? He has five points now in his last three games. This is a bit of a selfish reason I'm going to ask you this. Lazat is available to me in my Dynasty League. And he has a pretty cheap contract. It's like 1.7 mil, 1.675. But he's all also like uh, signed for next year as well so if I add Lazat now for my playoff run you know maybe next year he's not playing with Fiala and all of a sudden like I'm stuck with this contract of like like is, is there anything here basically is it just like he's playing with Fiala and any second now he'll go back to being a complete nobody or are you seeing anything in this current because you know even overall in the season he has a 40 point pace career high but again this might just be because of his recent exposure to Fiala yeah. Elon, I don't really know. I'm open to finding out. Lazat was undrafted. He's 25. This is age 25 season. And he's never been much of anything. But he hasn't had like a whole lot of opportunity either. The last time he put up offensive any significance was back in 2018-19 when Lazat was finishing his college career with St. Saint, with Saint Cloud State. So uh, this is a 
an interesting opportunity. I did look at him as somebody to add when I was looking at some Kings that I was considering, including Victor Arvidsson, who's scored in consecutive games now. Quinton Byfield, who is sort of doing stuff occasionally on the top line and top power play. Uh, and Lazat, like, Elon, your answer, your, your question about he's playing with Fiala, is there something to this? I mean, Freddie Gaudreau was rosterable playing with Kevin Fiala last year, so... I could see that as reason enough to be like, yeah, maybe Blake Lazat can do it too. I haven't watched or seen enough. If anyone listening knows more about Blake Lazat than I can offer right now, because I don't see a whole lot, but this is also just a guy who by now, age 25, uh, this is his fourth full season in the NHL. I just haven't seen enough of him, and he's never really had the opportunity to be seen. So, Elon, I, again, who knows? I, I, yeah. I like your thought. He had seven shots also in that game versus Anaheim. I guess also I wonder for next year, maybe Kings fans could tweet at us or if you're on our Discord, like, uh, you know, tag me and let me know. Like, is this just like eventually Villardi or Kaliev or someone is going to bump Lazat from this spot? And like, you know, there's no way he's going to hang next season with Fiala or have you heard anything? I'd be curious to know if like, if is there any sign that Lazat is going to like stick there because they're like playing well together or something? But who knows? Fiala, I guess his line mates change a lot uh, from his history. Uh, let's go to a hot streak. Okay, let's go to uh, Kakaniemi over in Carolina. Someone who a lot of people have sort of given up on. Uh, he's like seemed like just kind of like a checking player, not worth the high draft pick he got or the like crazy contract he got uh, that might have been a spite move for an offer sheet on Sebastian Ajo at one point that the Habs put on Carolina. But yeah, all of a sudden, Kakniemi, after scoring a goal and an assist versus Washington on Saturday, is up to seven points in his last six games, which is obviously very, very good. And I'm just curious, Brian, if you think it's for real. Kakniemi's been playing on a line with Tara Vinen and Natchez, which is obviously... Very good. Teravainen, you may be disappointed that he's away from Sebastian Ajo now. It's been Sveshnikov taking the spot with Ajo and Seth Jarvis, but never uh, fear. Teravainen managers, he's been really great as well. Six points in his last six games. And I know how, would you say, what Brian always says about Teravainen, if he's getting power play, that's all you care about. And uh, even though he didn't get a power play point in this last game, he did have a goal and an assist. So I like Teravainen better than Kakaniemi. I'm not going to bother you with that, but it's Kakaniemi. So first of all, I guess just say yes or no. I'm sure the answer is yes. People should be adding Teravainen if he's somehow still available. He's on this yes. great hot run. Yes. Done. Kakaniemi. Also yes or not as much yes? Yeah, he has like this this knack to show up in outdoor games. But of course, it's gone like he's been producing more than just in that outdoor game. Uh, he's pointed in five of his last six outings. The thing with Kaniemi, though, is like two of those points have come as goals and uh, two goals on his last two shots. Right. He's taken one shot in each of his last three games. His ice time isn't awesome. So I think, Elon, this is just the cut Kniemi that we've seen all season. He's on a 36-point pace in Carolina. Sometimes he scores points for like two or three games at a time, and we can get a little bit interested. But on the whole... I'm not very interested. And yes, very caught Kaniemi. I'm not tripping over myself to go at him. Yeah, okay, that's fair. But definitely, I think everyone should be, if you're not tripping over yourself, like add him to your watch list, watch closely. If there turns out to be a point in time where he's going to get in some games for you, you might be uh, willing to uh, take a shot there. I guess Seth Jarvis, I'm seeing Chris in the chat is saying, in, interested in your thoughts in Kakniemi versus Seth Jarvis. Right now, Kakniemi is hotter, but Jarvis is playing with Sebastian Ajo, which is a very good spot to be. But he's been there yeah. for a while now. Yeah, I would just take whoever between the two has the better deployment and higher ice time, which I think Jarvis ticks both those boxes right now between the two. I, I think they're both equally kind of like un unpredictable and I wouldn't even call them streaky because I don't think they're hot for long enough to be considered streaky. But if you're hoping for it's it's a dice roll 
with either Kaniyami or Jarvis. So I'll just take the guy who has uh, the dice weighted a little more in his favor. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I, I think it could definitely go either way there. Uh, over in Vegas, I wanted to look at what's going on there. Uh, Paul Cotter, who is a rookie, I believe, or if not a rookie, then uh, let me see here. No, he played yeah, only seven games last year. Uh, he's been getting really good deployment lately, playing with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marcheseau on the top line. Uh, I know my friend and friend of the show, John Reed, was telling me that he's kind of interested in him. And hey, why not? He's got points in four straight games. I'm talking about Paul Cotter. And he hits, by the way. And yeah, getting great deployment. You can't ask for better deployment on Vegas to get Eichel and Marcia so as your line mates. Not really a power play opportunity for Cotter. But Brian, is this someone that... Oh, actually, let me ask you to compare him to someone who was brought up on short... Or actually, no. Lewis was saying he was planning to bring up uh, William Carrier on short shifts and they cut him. And then he made them pay by having a really good game, scoring a goal on Thursday. And Carrier's been on a bit of a hot streak himself, taking more shots than Cotter. Uh, I'm counting six points in his last five games for William Carrier from not a terrible line like Kessel and Chandler Stevenson. I guess Kessel is kind of a different person (laughs) than he used to be. Uh, But yeah, like... Are either of these C last names on Vegas interesting to you, uh, Cotter or Carrier? I think I lean Cotter. I mean, he's on this four-game point streak, even though he doesn't shoot a whole lot. Carrier will fill a few more categories, but I think the production is going to be a little spottier, even though it's heavier lately. Uh, But I don't know that I really trust that line with Chandler Stevenson and Phil Kessel. Uh, Chandler Stevenson, by the way, Elon, I don't know if he was dropped and Mike a cup full division, which is kind of surprising. I know, I don't think Vegas had a great schedule this week, but he has just two points now in his last four games, being outpointed by both Cotter and Carrier lately. Uh, five straight games of two shots apiece. And he had like a long, like 10 game stretch. This is Chandler Stevenson, where he took none or one, one shot on goal. Um, so, I like and and interestingly, Elon, I didn't have any fab left, so I, I didn't have a chance to add Chandler Stevenson. Like there was no hope. Somebody else spent a, a fair amount, but nobody else put a bid in. And it, like he was dropped in a really like busy flurry of activity. So I wonder if everybody even noticed or not. But uh, we'll see how the rest. Like if he's playing with William Carrier and Phil Kessel the rest of the year, I'm not sure how into that I am. So that's a that's I would put Chandler Stevenson. I don't think he's a snoozer now, but I would put him on on snoozer watch. Yeah, I mean, also not on was, the top power play. Yeah, he's interesting when he's playing with Eichel or playing with Mark Stone. You know, like now that he's not playing with either of them, I agree. The thing is, Chandler Stevenson is the type of person where if you drop him, you're doing at your own risk because those lines can change. I guess not for Stone, but if he he can as as good as Paul Cotter has been recently, it's not as if Chandler Stevenson can't bump him in a moment's notice, right? No one will be surprised. Apparently we mispronounced it's William Carrier, not Carrier. Ah, uh, yes, so. he's from LaSalle. Excusez-moi. Oops. Uh, so, so Brian, I think this takes us to the end. We've covered a lot of ground here. Hopefully we've given people some names that, oh, you never ended up telling us who's the name that you're more interested in than Nick Felino. Was it Carrier? Was it Cotter? Oh my gosh, you're right. And you explicitly was like, met you, you explicitly told me to mention him when we talked about him. You don't have to do everything I say. Was it yeah. Lazat? Uh, no, I'm like going through the list quickly. I can't. Right. Uh, I thought I made a note. That's okay. Uh, well, basically, you... all these guys. Okay, fair. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess that, yeah, that's the answer. Oh, I I said uh, it was Jason Zucker. It was Jason oh, he... Zucker as like a comparison, <laughs> like to how much I'm disinterested in Felino because Zucker hits. You're like Felino hits, and I was like, oh well, Jason Zucker hits more than Felino, and he also plays with Evgeny Malkin, so. 
That's there. Yeah, that's it. That was not the most insightful or <laughs> useful piece of information, but there it is. I'm glad we closed the loop. Hey, that's why you, you put the garbage stuff at the end of the show, right? Where it's like people have already listened. It's too late. You can't to take reward everybody for listening all the way to the end. We're going to reward you with the worst possible part of the episode. Yeah. And then if you still keep listening now, it's just going to be the same boilerplate stuff we say at the end of every episode. So strap in. Brian, I want to thank everyone for listening. We really appreciate you uh, checking out our shows, especially late in the year. Follow us on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed to get all the... We're not going to stop content coming all the way until the end. Thanks so much to the patrons of Keeping Carlson who keep us afloat here. We were talking in the break at some point. Oh, one of the perks that we give to patrons is they join us for this show live. We were talking about how maybe we'll have a golf retreat at some point. But then we said probably not with the patrons unless we get like a really good super patron that's able to like fund a patron golf retreat uh but yeah for five bucks a month you don't get to play golf with brian and i but you do get to uh, watch these shows live hang out in our discord we have an amazing community we have a patron cast coming on wednesday brian and we're going to talk again for a couple hours in just a couple of days about every question that we got from the patrons we always have a lot of fun there and more check it out patreon.com slash keeping carlson with that, Brian, let's cue the old outro music. Read us the credits. Say your outro catchphrase. Let's get out of here. Wow, that's a lot of instructions to follow. Let's see if I can do it. All right, this episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and powered by all our wonderful, amazing, incredible patrons, including our super supporters, Adam, Aaron, Tyler, Ivan, Andrea, Tom, Ryan, Derek, David, Rob, Ricard, and Patty, thank you all uh, for being there for us. Thank you to our Cupfold coordinator, Kevin A. Bear, and our team of co-commissions who um, keep the Cupfold active, as active as it could possibly be. If we have a, like, we're on the lookout for managers who aren't quite on top, we send little friendly nudges and reminders to like, hey, it matters to everybody else in your league that you're looking after your team. And then we have uh, replacements if necessary. By the way, if you're interested in getting a taste of the Cupfold late in the season, this is a good way to do it. Uh, we will likely call on you if you join today to like replace a manager who is uh, who's not able to continue managing their team. Uh, not able fun. to continue carrying out their duties. Carrying out their duties. <laughs> yeah. Just to throw it out there. If someone is playing uh, in a fantasy league, not only the couple, this is for any league. You have a life. Yeah, you're losing. You like you have other things that are becoming more interesting to you. All I'm going to say is like, you don't need to just like disappear and stop setting your lineup. Like, let someone know. No one will be mad at you if you say like, hey, I can't do this. We know, Elon. We know. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you are in like a couple and feeling overwhelmed, let us know. And if you're not and you want to be, let us know. And I bet we could probably find a good way for everybody to be happy. Uh, yeah. Elon, thank you and Shams for keeping the amazing stream of fantasy news rolling over at Game Day Tweets. Dot com. Thank you to our short chess crew, Lewis, Jeremy, and Chams for crushing the content always and forever. Logo art by BrandonWeeb.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and Yahoo! Great job as always, Brian. Look, if you're losing, be like me. Still use all your four moves, but just use them poorly. And, you know, that's how you do it. You drop Beauvillier uh, instead of Ryan O'Reilly, like a dum-dum like me. Okay? All right, Brian, this was so much fun. Looking forward to doing this with you on Wednesday for the Patreon cast. Until then, how should I pass my time? Well, I mean, please do something you enjoy. Look after yourself. Make sure, like, self-care is important. And also, along with that self-care... 
uh, try and care for others by making sure that you're doing all you can so that fantasy hockey can be for everyone. Final note, Shams is saying that Rick Bonus says he doesn't have an update on Nikolai Ehlers. So we're not going to have that for you. Final update, there is no update. <laughs> the up- yeah, which is worse than, uh, you know, sometimes the coach comes out and says, hey, I think he's fine. Like, I looked at him, he's walking around, it's not going to be a problem. So it's not that good. Okay. It's also not saying, like, he's in the hospital. So, okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.